0: We are five days away from fundamentally transforming the United States of America. You know, this Marxism Leninism ideology is being pumped into the soft heads of, of, of at least three generations of American students. America first. You could put half of Trump supporters into what I call the basket of deplorables. Change the perception of reality of every american to such an extent that despite of the abundance of information no one is able to come to sensible conclusions for too long a small group in our nation's capital has reaped the rewards of government while the people have borne the cost the racist sexist homophobic xenophobic God bless America. Hey guys, Uh, it is time for Urgent Education. I cannot believe I'm actually getting it out on Thursday like I want. And today I want to talk about what exactly does it mean, the pursuit of happiness in our Declaration of Independence. I was shocked at what I learned the other day. And um, I study a lot of different resources. Uh, David, I think it's David Barton, um, Green, Rick Green, I believe is his name. He teaches on the Constitution, Hillsdale. Uh, also, uh, Chris Ann Hall uh, of Liberty University, of which I highly recommend. And if anyone cannot hear me, please let me know in the chat. Uh, but um, I watched uh, Chris Ann Hall's uh, dissertation. She's a lawyer called America's Constitutional Lawyer on the pursuit of happiness, because I always wondered what that meant. Because if you go with the modern idea of happiness, it's basically whatever makes you happy goes. And so the first boundary, I guess you would say healthy boundary for happiness, is the idea of what liberty is. And you will hear me say this over and over and over because it's one of my favorite definitions of liberty that actually does come from uh, Chris Ann Hall, and that's this. Liberty is morality plus freedom. So what that means is absolutely you are free to do whatever you want to do. But if you are a person of liberty, your choices will be within the context of morality. So, for example, you know, child molesters, they are free to molest a child. Um, However, there is a consequence to harming that child. And the fact that they want to do that shows they do not have morality. Same thing with murder. Someone is free to murder someone, but that's not liberty. That is a freedom minus morality that causes the harm of another. So true American liberty in the minds of our founding fathers is that your liberty is within the context of morality. And if your liberty begins hurting someone else in a tangible way, then that is no longer liberty. It's freedom without morality. And that's why morality is so important to be taught uh, to our children. Uh, Whether it's faith-based or not, people need to know about virtue and morality and doing the right thing. And uh, so that's the first thing is that the pursuit of happiness is always um, within the boundaries of liberty, freedom plus morality. Now, um, The pursuit of happiness, life, liberty, the pursuit of life, liberty, and happiness, um, these are a byproduct, these things are a byproduct of our natural rights. So when you see the phrase natural rights or inherent rights, the founding father's idea is that God, as the creator, gave every human uh, specific natural rights, meaning no man gave these rights, only God gave these rights. So in the original documents, when you see the place of natural, nature, uh, inherent, that's what the Founding Fathers were thinking about. One of the first laws of nature is the right of self-preservation, life, liberty, and property, and then the right to secure those items. And I'm going to read you a short essay by James Madison on property, which is really interesting. But um, the, the happiness that they're saying, the pursuit of happiness, comes from an independence and the right to own property. Now, the right to own property is not confined to just land, but that's a big part of it. Because in the founding fathers, you know, they came from a kingdom where they had kings and queens over in England or the other countries where they were from, but dominantly we were obviously English colonies. And so they understood that to own your own piece of property meant that you were independent. And so their idea of the pursuit of happiness was very much tied into the ability to own your own land and your own home. So, um... The independence that comes from property ownership is only secure, though, in a liberty-focused government. And the way that you know a government is operating within the confines of liberty is everything they do comes from the consent of the people. So if it has not been voted on or made a law uh, by the consent of the people or our elected representatives hearing our voices and making sure that our... Um, concerns and the things that we want done are done, if anything is done outside of the Constitution, outside of the uh, state Constitution, outside of the city ordinances or the city charters and the county charters, if anything is done outside of those, that is a government that is unjust because they're now operating outside of the consent of the people. So a just government is always within consent, okay? Now, Independence, again, by the founding fathers, is gained through property ownership. So, if your home is owned outright, it is yours to do with as you desire, unless you've agreed to, you know, home, or neighborhood covenants and things like that. Uh, the bank obviously owns your property if you've not paid it off yet. Property ownership only comes from a government built on liberty. Liberty is built on the consent of the people, and our consent is in written form. The Constitution, which created the product of the federal government, at the consent and the direction of the states, and then our state constitution, which is actually the most important one for us to know uh, in whatever state you're in. Because, again, if you ever find yourself before the Supreme Court they will want to know if you first pursued your state constitutional rights in your state courts before you go into the, uh, the Supreme Court. Uh, there is um, an, an idea that Chris Ann Hall uh, gave where she said, the opposite of independence is dependence and the most extreme form is slavery. And that is why our founding fathers were so against entitlements, why they were so against handouts because what they feared is that as you begin to take ownership of people's care for themselves, you begin to dictate to them uh, that care, you would actually make them dependent on the state, that's where you'd get nanny states, and as such, it would squash innovation, it would squash freedom, it would squash independence, and it would make the people enslaved to the government because in order to get entitlements, you have to then ask the government. And so, um, you know, for some people, um, entitlements are, you know, just absolutely never. For other people, you know, there's a time for them. I do know when me and my husband were first married, uh, we did have to be on food stamps. I think he made like 5000 to $6,000 a year. And I was very thankful for those food stamps with a new child. But our goal was always to get off of them. And I think that if you're not careful, you will create people who basically have to have them to live on because they no longer have any uh, ambition or inclination to work uh, uh, for the things that they receive and also own property, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, so um, Jud- Justice Blackstone, he was um, responsible for uh, teaching most English lawyers, even before we became a nation apart from England. And he wrote in 1765, quote, The third absolute right inherent in every Englishman is that in property, It's not about redistribution of wealth or taking from another. It's about having dominion and control over what is already yours. The origin of private property is found in nature. Okay? Now, that is a huge statement because today the idea of the pursuit of happiness is tied to social justice issues. It's morphed into that. So it's morphed into all this gender stuff that's going on, it's morphed into taking from those that have and giving to those that have not. And that is um, antithetical. Uh, it is completely opposite of the idea of the original founders and the founding documents that we have. In fact, the whole idea of like this um, socialism or this, even equal distribution, which I find very fascinating that this was a topic of discussion in 1765, which proves that there's nothing new under the sun. Um, but this idea of the redistribution of wealth was actually tried in the first colony in Virginia. And they died. Half of them died that winter. Uh, and so uh, I think it might've been the Massachusetts colony decided they were not going to have this communal um, and we would call it socialism today, society. Because what happened, excuse me, is that uh, only a few people would farm. The rest were lazy, quite frankly, and they refused to go out there and farm. So you had a percentage that were doing all the work while the other percentage did not. And because of that, the percentage that were doing the work, they could not do it all and they couldn't keep up with it. Plus, I'm sure it caused resentment. And so, uh, again, when winter arrived, most of the colonists, at least half, uh, if my memory serves correct, uh, died. So in the Plymouth um, colony, or I guess you, I think it'd be called a colony. In that one, what they did is uh, if you didn't work, you don't eat. And that's a biblical model. If you don't work, you don't eat. And so what happened is people worked in order to eat and they were given land. And so they would work the land. And then, here's where people get, I think, tripped up. I have a choice with the money that I own and the property that I own to take care of the poor. I don't need the government taking from me to give to the poor. I don't need that. That's not the government's job. It's actually not constitutional. My job is to make that decision. America is one of the most generous nations in the earth. So actually the government could probably leave us alone and we would solve a lot of the issues that they're trying to do by handouts. Now I'm not going to get into conspiracy theorists and theories and global elitists, but I will tell you that there is history that shows the redistribution of wealth, creating chaos, and getting people to depend on government has been a tactic that has been used by many many tyrannical governments. Okay. So we'll just leave it at that. Uh, cause I want to uh, do urgent education and not get people uh, mad at me and then they don't listen to me anymore. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if I really care about that, but I do want people to um, learn. So the origin again, of private property is found in nature. The modern idea of happiness is not what the founding fathers um, had in mind. And then also um, in the pursuit of happiness about the public or the individual, Justice Blackstone also said, quote, it would be dangerous to allow any private man or public tribunal to be the judge of this common good and to decide whether it be expedient or no. Besides the public good is nothing more essentially interested than in the protection of every individual's property rights. So what was he saying? It is not right to put people in charge of the redistribution of wealth. It's not right for any private man, any public tribunal to judge what is a common good for everybody because we have liberty, freedom plus morality, right? So he's saying that no, that is not the purview of the government. That is not the purview of any um, tribunal. That is the purview of of an individual and their decisions over their property. So the pursuit of happiness is tied to the ownership of property. So it's not the government's role to dictate dictate, or regula- regulate the use of our property minus our consent. So they may think they have that right, but they don't. And because people are not educated, they don't know that they don't have that right. And so it's very important to understand what the founding fathers put forth because it is not rocket science and it's not a mystery. You can literally read their thoughts because they wrote them and also they are contained in the records of some of the first conventions and congresses that we have. You can, you don't have to guess what they meant at all. And so I think a lot of the myth around the idea that you have to actually guess is what keeps people from pursuing and understanding what our founding fathers originally gave over to us by the brilliance and the wisdom that they had. And so it's individuals' rights to do what they want to do with their money, with their property, uh, with their possessions. No one has a right to tell an American what to do with their property. Uh, And if we don't know that, they're going to keep taking away more and more and more. Okay, so the pursuit of happiness is about independence and property ownership well let me read this to you this is one of uh, james madison's essays on um, property just to give you an idea of more of um, that's encompassed in that idea but also maybe you'll see the danger that some of the social justice and some of the thought police actions are toward our liberty they're eroding it away and a lot of them are doing it without realizing Okay, so this was written March 29th, 1792. He said, this term, in other words, property, in its particular application means that domin- that dominion, dominion which one man claims and exercises over the external things of the world in exclusion to every other individual. In other words, your external property that's yours, not someone else's. In its larger and juster meaning, it embraces everything to which a man may attach a value and have a right in which leads, leaves everyone else the like advantage. In a former sense, a man's land or merchandise or money is called his property. In the latter sense, a man has a property in his opinions, in the free communication of them. Oh, my word. Now, see, this is that right there. People apologizing for their opinions. We have free speech, even if it's actually hate speech. I mean, if words are violent, it's actually protected by the First Amendment. If that speech, however, provokes um, or calls for the harming of other people, there should be actually some censorship on that. You shouldn't be able to harm other people. But it's such a broad definition that the Supreme Court in particular is very hesitant to chill free speech. And uh, so people should be able to say, hey, I don't believe in homosexuality or, hey, I believe in the right to carry a weapon or, hey, I don't believe that little children should be taught about sex at the age of five. In fact, I don't think schools should be teaching sex to uh, children at all. That should be within the purview of the parents. I have a right to have those opinions according to the pursuit of happiness. My opinion that those are my property. So I really don't have to have anyone tell me I can't say that. Now, using wisdom and discretion is also my choice in what I say, but you have a right to your opinion. Also, it says he has a property of peculiar value in his religious opinions and in the profession and practice dictated by them. In other words, the right of um, religious expression and worship, he has a property very dear to him in the safety and the liberty of his person What that means is my body is my property, and if I feel in danger, I can actually mortally harm someone that's going to endanger my life. And so that's the whole purpose of the Second Amendment, as well as the ability to defend ourselves against tyrants uh, and actually tyrannical governments, if you read some of the Founding Fathers' ideas. Also, he has an equal property in the free use of his faculties and free choice of the objects on which to employ them. In a word, as a man is said to have a right to his property, he may be equally said to have a property in his rights. Very interesting. Where an excess of power prevails, property of no sort is duly respected. No man is safe in his opinions, his person, his faculties, or his possession possessions. Now, what is he saying? When a certain group of people or groups of people get too much power, then my right to my property which is also um tied into my opinions etc um that if if someone else has power they'll begin to shut those freedoms down so you've got facebook that censors people um including you know Hunter Biden stories all of that the fbi tipped them off in fact no government should be using the media for their their purposes that's again, that's the constitution as well and to answer your question jean it's an essay written by Uh, James Madison, March 29th of 1792. Uh, You've got um, big tech, again, silencing people, censoring people. You have the government that has raided 50 Trump supporters uh, for their support of him. Uh, uh, And I'm going to have some video on a Catholic gentleman who was arrested the other day, uh, raided by the uh, FBI with 30 uh, agents and weapons trained on him in front of his wife and children for being against abortion. So I'll be putting that on the We the Deplorables podcast, uh, hopefully by tomorrow for you guys to um, be able to listen. So you've got the federal government, which is supposed to have the least power in our country, exercising a tremendous amount of power and using the, a- the alphabet agencies to silence people who disagree with them. And so if you are a faith and a Christian who believes in your Second Amendment right, you are now considered a terrorist and an extremist. If you are a make America great again person, you are now a fascist and an extremist. So again, he says where an excess of power prevails, property of no sort, whether it's opinion, physical, it doesn't matter, your own body of no sort is duly respected. Where there is an ex- excess of liberty, the effect is the same, though from an opposite cause. So I love this, because the pursuit of happiness is not the pursuit to do whatever you want to do, uh, however you want to do it. That would be deemed an essay, a, a excess of liberty. So again, liberty is defined by freedom plus morality. So patriotic Americans understand that liberty is within that context. Government is instituted to protect property of every sort as well as that which lies in the various rights of individuals as that which the term particularly expresses. This being the end of government, that alone is a just government which impartially secures to every man whatever is his own. So I may not like certain people that are anti-American, but they have absolutely every right to speak against this nation, every right. So again, I don't like it, but I'm not going to censor or shut them down unless they're calling for violence against uh, fellow Americans, which quite frankly, the people on the left get away with all of the time. And there's definitely not a um, a, a one-tier justice system anymore, unfortunately. And so that's a problem. According to the standard of merit, the praise of affording a just securing to property should be sparingly bestowed on a government which, however scrupulously guarding the possessions of individuals, does not protect them in the enjoyment and communication of their opinions in which they have as equal and in the estimation of some a more valuable property. More sparingly should this praise be allowed to a government where a man's religious rights are violated by penalties or fettered by tests or taxed by hierarchy. Conscience is the most sacred of all property, other property depending in part on positive law, the exercise of that being a natural and unalienable right. To guard a a man's house as his castle to pay public and enforce private debts with the most exact faith can give no title to invade a man's conscience, which is more sacred than his castle, or to withhold from it the debt of protection from which the public faith is pledged, by the very nature and original conditions of the social pact. Now, I don't want to go too long, but one of the things that's interesting with the lockdowns is, uh, and, and also the, um, the jab is a lot of people had a religious objection. The, the idea of the founding fathers when it comes to religious objection is not necessarily a Christian objection. It's a conscience rejection. So I could literally tell the Supreme Court, so let's say that I had to sue to avoid getting the jab so I could keep my job. If I go before the Supreme Court, I could say this, literally, and this is an example from Chris Ann hall A purple dragon showed up in my room and the dragon had a female riding it. And, well, that's probably not a good thing because it sounds like the book of Revelation. But anyway, let's just go with it. And this lady told me that if I get the jab, I will be violating my conscience and I will be violating my faith in her. Therefore, I cannot take the jab. I have to religiously object. It is an argument. The Supreme Court as well as the founding fathers did not dictate what a religious objection looks like except within the confines of conscience. So if it's against your conscience, it is a religious objection. And in fact, the Supreme Court upheld that opinion during COVID. And they sided with conscience. Very interesting, huh? Okay, now let's finish up this essay. Uh, Let's see here. Okay, that is not a just government, nor is property secure under it, where the property which a man has in his personal safety and personal liberty is violated by arbitrary seizures of one class of citizens for the service of the rest. A magistrate issuing his warrants to a press gang would be his proper functions in Turkey or Indostan under Appalachian's proverbial of the most complete despotism. So what, what are they saying? You have no right to seize another man's property. That's why you have to have search warrants. That's why you have to clearly define what you're searching for and where you think those things are. And that's why the FISA court is so dangerous. That's why the FBI has become dangerous. That's why the Facebook has admitted to reading private direct messages and turning those over to the FBI for MAGA supporters. Guys, this is not conspiracy. This has been uncovered in the news. So that's an unlawful search or seizure. You know what was also an unlawful search or seizure? Commanding businesses to shut down during a pandemic. That's an unlawful seizure of that business as well as an unlawful seizure of that business's income. So what did they do? They paid us off. So we have to understand what's happening here. And the Supreme Court has upheld these decisions as well. So it was unlawful. And in fact it was unlawful according to the New Mexico constitution. Now some people will say, well, she had emergency powers. Look, at the New Mexico Constitution. I cannot stress this enough. If you look in the Constitution, the emergency powers are only over the power of the purse. So that gives a governor the right to access funds she would normally have to get through the representatives in uh, in her state uh, Congress. So it has nothing to do with commanding that people wear masks, commanding that people shut down their businesses. That is not defined in the emergency powers. So we've got to, again, read this stuff, guys. We've got to know our city county charters, our state constitution, as well as the uh, founding documents in the U.S. Constitution. Uh, That is um, not a just government, nor is property secure under it, where arbitrary restrictions Exemptions and monopolies deny a part of its citizens that free use of their faculties and free choice of their occupations, which not only constitute the property in the general sense of the word, but are the means of acquiring property strictly so-called. What, what must be the spirit of legislation where a manufacturer of linen cloth is forbidden to bury his own child in a linen cloth in order to favor his neighbor who manufactures woolen cloth Where the manufacturer and wearer of wool and cloth are, again, forbidden the uh, economical use of buttons of that material in favor of the manufacturer of buttons of other materials. So what is he saying? You cannot favor one industry over another. You cannot forbid a person to go with a specific uh, industry for their specific need. You cannot make laws against that. You cannot say, you have to shop here. You cannot shop there. Well, what happened? Big box places got to stay open, small businesses didn't. See, that's that's the thing. Man, you cannot fall for the lie that for the good of others you give up your liberties. You can't. It's actually more dangerous. Okay. And just security to property is not afforded by that government on which unequal taxes oppress one species of property and reward another, where arbitrary taxes invade the domestic sanctuaries of the rich and excessive taxes grind the faces of the poor, where the keenness and competitions of want are deemed as insufficient spur to labor and taxes are again applied by an unfilling policy as another spur in violation of that sacred property which heaven, in decreeing man to earn his bread by the sweat of his brow, kindly reserved to him in the small repose that could be spared from the supply of his necessities. So what is he saying? He's saying you cannot tax a whole bunch of people just because they're rich, or you can't tax a whole bunch of people just because they're poor. It has to be fair. How is it unfair? It's unfair in that we pay our taxes that then go to causes that have not been voted on. That would be one. Number two... It's not fair to take from rich people because you've got to take the fair share and give to other people who refuse to work. So that's just a redistribution of wealth. And that is completely against the founding fathers. So all of that is in the name of good. We've got to be kind. We've got to be compassionate. Again, if you don't work, you don't eat. And that's how it should be in this country. And if you don't continue that role of inspiring people to work for a living, you actually um, shut down creativity and innovation. So we will go from hardly any breakthroughs in science and technology to nothing. And so we've got to make sure that we're preserving small businesses and the economy so that people can work. So what was another thing that happened during the shutdowns? People made more money not working. So it literally created a chain effect that to this day in my work of helping my clients hire people, it has been scraping the bottom of the barrel when it comes to experience, expertise, skill sets, and even emotional intelligence. It has been a nightmare. And so that removed incentive. Now that some of the benefits have been nixed, people are like, oh my gosh, I've got to go to work. Well, what's happening now? They're coming with this whole attitude of, I don't have to work here unless I want to. I mean, it literally has backfired, guys, and it was one of the worst things. I never agreed with President Trump shutting down um, the country, ever. I mean, I know he handed a lot of over to the governors, but it was a big mistake, and it opened up a Pandora's box and also alerted the government to the fact that we will um, give up our liberties for fear of death, and that's a power they should not possess quite frankly. And finally, the last two paragraphs, if there be a government then which prides itself in maintaining the inviability of property, which provides that none shall be taken directly, even for public use without indem- indemnification to the owner, and yet directly violates the property which individuals have in their opinions, their religion, their persons, and their faculties, nay more, which indirectly violates their property, in their actual possessions, in that labor that acquires their daily uh, uh, subsistence, and in the hallowed remnant of time which ought to relieve their fatigues and soothe their cares, the influence will have been anticipated that such a government is not a pattern for the United States. In other words, even indirectly violating my right of property to my opinions, my religious expression, um, my physical location, My body, my money, that is not a government. That is a pattern for the United States. And I'm sure you're seeing how far we have actually gone to that. And we've got to have urgent education, hence these videos. Final statement, if the United States mean to obtain or deserve the full praise due to wise and just governments. They will equally respect the rights of property and the property and rights. They will rival the government that most sacredly guards the former and by repelling an example and violating the latter will make themselves a pattern to that and all other governments. So we are a liberty first, one nation under God with liberty and justice for all. In fact, if you look at a lot of the founding documents and I'm going to go into and probably um, have some classes, probably I'm hoping to start them this year, but I may um, have to put it off till next year, but on how the founding documents were formed, they go back to like uh, 1060, I believe with Alfred uh, and our founding fathers understood English history. And so you've got several, like five documents that they actually used as legal documents in the formation and the creation of the United States of America. But if you watched last week's The Proper Flow of Authority, you learned that the states were created first on July 2nd by the Lee Declaration, giving the power of the states as a superior power to the federal government. The states then became a compact that then um, created the Constitution in 1889, which then uh, the product of that compact between the states was the federal government. So the power structure is we the people, the states, and then the federal government. I'm sure you can see how it's been flipped. It's now the federal government, the states, and the people. And so we have to understand, are we voting for people that believe in the original intent of the founders? Because if we don't, we're going to continue going downhill as a country. And we've got to start taking back The things that belong to us with peaceful noncompliance and forcing our politicians to hear our voices and to support their city charters their county charters, their state constitutions and the United States Constitution that defines and sets a boundary for the federal government. And by the way, the Supreme Court should not be the final deciding factor. Okay, the Supreme Court was supposed to be the least of the three branches when it came to power. So all of these things are important to understand. I highly recommend reading, reading the Federalist Papers. Um, I also recommend uh, reading anything uh, that David Barton writes from Wall Builders. And I also recommend Chris Ann Hall's material. But again, I'm going to have some more urgent education each week. Please watch last week. And uh, again, we the people, we are the ones that are supposed to have the power. And no government uh, should take it away. And those governments that do are now tyrannical. And they are not just. Just governing is from the consent of the people. All right? Okay, I will see you guys next week. Don't forget We the Deplorables podcast. Lots of great things there. Small is the new big. God is shifting from the current church structure back to his original intent and design, the ecclesia. The ecclesia is the original word that was used when Jesus was describing that he would build his church and the gates of hell would not prevail against it in Matthew 16 18. In fact, most of the time when you see church, it's actually ecclesia. The ecclesia is his ruling government on earth made up of two or more. It's a mobile organic community, not a system. If you felt like a square peg trying to fit in a round hole, or you know there's more, this training might be for you. If you know that God is moving in the marketplace and you want to be equipped to partner with Him, this training is for you. If you understand that the call is to disciple nations, you must be equipped with this training. Go to churchshift.me. That is churchshift.me.